This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, what's up, what's up? My Take Radio episode 65 for Thursday, November 11th, 2010. Tonight's music was Street Fighter 2, Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. V-E-R-T-E-X Guy, G-U-Y. You can download that and any of the other previous intros at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The caller number is 347 324 3541. Again, that call in number 347 324 3541. All right. Obviously, our 65th episode. Very, very proud of that. Come a long way since episode one. A lot of ups and downs, highs and lows. But in the end, I'm very happy with what's been happening with My Take Radio. Lots of growth, lots of great new opportunities. I'm working on a ton of guests for the coming weeks. I mean, things are definitely going to be a little tight because of people's holiday schedules, but I'm definitely working on getting somebody from Strike Force. Once I lock it up, I'll let you guys know. Um, a couple of people from SiriusXM as well, um, some fellow broadcasters, a couple of people I networked with at Comic-Con. All of that's coming up hopefully in the coming weeks, so definitely stay tuned to MyTakeRadio.com or the Facebook fan page for that stuff. In addition to that, like I said, the ads are going through a redesign process. There's going to definitely be some smaller ads, and there's also going to be ad space, which I will be uh, renting out, so to speak, to generate some revenue. Uh, the new 125 by 125 ads should be making their way to the site within the coming weeks. Just been tied up with a lot of uh, real-world stuff, so it's kind of been interfering with some of the stuff for the site, but those new 125 ads will be debuting in the coming weeks. Uh, those of you that have ads already on the site, please make sure if you haven't to forward me your 125s so I can put them up on the site as well. Uh, the donation button is there. You guys know the deal. I'm not going to go into it any further. It's there. Obviously, you know the significance of it, so if you want to lend a little support, just click that button. Facebook fan page, we are already at 461 fans, hopefully well on our way to 500. Definitely want to welcome all our new fans as well as new listeners um, here in the U.S. and abroad. I've been getting a lot of feedback from some of our international listeners, including uh, Gavin from, from, the, from Wales in the U.K. and a couple of other fans as well that have reached out to me via Twitter and via the Facebook, uh, excuse me, via Twitter and via email. And also they've signed up on the Facebook fan page, so definitely welcome to the new international listeners. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, content partners, definitely want to welcome again this week in wrestling and MMA Valor to the MTR crew. They are actually providing some really great content. Josh at MMA Valor will probably be joining me next week for some UFC 123 fight picks. 
And in addition to that, he's been providing a, a nice steady stream of MMA content, which you guys have been seeing on MyTakeRadio.com. This week in wrestling, uh, Verk was supposed to join me last week. Unfortunately, there were some communication issues, which led to us not being able to link up. Uh, he may or may not join us this week, but it's something that definitely will be ironed out, and he will definitely be here in the future to talk some wrestling with us. The Splatterhouse contest is in full effect. Uh, the contest started uh, November 5th and ends December 9th. Real straightforward, real easy. Take one of our MTR logos, use it with any Splatterhouse character, image, or Splatterhouse logo, any way you see fit, photos, Photoshop, character art, any way you want to do it, just a nice integration of the two logos or logos and characters um, just to see how creative you guys can get with it. I know we've seen, I've seen one of the first entries already on the Facebook fan page, but there are five shirts to give away, so the top five entries will receive a Splatterhouse T-shirt. Again, if you do plan on entering the contest, please make sure you email or post on the Facebook fan page your entry. You can email those entries to mtrhost at gmail.com. Um, again, really easy. Either of the logos, any of the MTR logos, any of the Splatterhouse imagery, whether it's characters, um, logos, any of that, do it any way you see fit. Only thing I have, no nudity, please, so please refrain from doing any weird naked photo shoots and sending them to us because <laughs> they will not be counted. Uh, one entry per person, and if you are going to enter any GIF animations, please let me know so that I can post them in the forums and people can see the animated GIFs in full effect since obviously you can't post them on Facebook, and I can probably also post them on the My Take Radio website for people to see. So again, if you do plan on entering, mtrhost at gmail.com. Contest is fully in effect and ends December 9th. Some of the stuff we're going to talk about tonight, definitely want to talk about TNA's Turning Point pay-per-view, which was complete and utter bullshit. I want to talk about Monday Night Raw, some stuff coming up with Strike Force and the UFC. We got a nice, limited amount of gaming news today just because everybody seems to be playing Call of Duty Black Ops, which I will discuss some of the crazy numbers that that game is doing. In addition to that, I have some numbers for Connect. be discussing that as well. The wealth of today's show is mostly movie news because there's a lot of crazy shit going on. If my voice fluctuates throughout the broadcast, for some reason I've been losing my voice the last two days, so please bear with me if I sound like shit. And with that said, let's get right into it. Let's talk first this week's Ultimate Fighter. Obviously, we, we got treated to two fights this week. Uh, Jonathan Brookins was fighting Sako, and Cody McKenzie was fighting Nam Fan. Um, definitely, Brookins has been the sleeper this season. He's been coming in there doing a lot, of, a lot of damage. He's improved really well. He's picked up a lot from George St. Pierre, and it's showing. Uh, Sako comes in. He's, uh, he was undefeated coming into the fight. And one of the things that, you know, everybody talked about was Sako's great judo background. But unfortunately, that's not the way shit went down. Fight opened up round one, Brookings with the jab. Sako was trying to work the jab, trying to keep Brookings away. Uh, Brookings shot him for a takedown, but Sako defended and got pushed against the cage. Brookings actually ended up getting his back off the fence, and he threw Sako, which was really crazy, and he took his back, at which point Brookings worked to get his hooks in, and needless to say, right after that, boom, rear naked choke, 
locked in, and Sako taps, which was crazy because I didn't expect that. Honestly, I felt Brookins was good, but I didn't think he was going to get in there and do any damage. But Brookins came in, put a put a whooping, not, not even a whooping on Sako, but just really great technical work on his behalf. Came out great for sure. Um, Brookins, I can see him going towards the finals for sure. I, semis, I... The semifinal fight should be interesting depending on how they get laid out, but Brookins can win the whole thing, I'll tell you that. Uh, the second fight was going to be Cody McKenzie and Nam Fan. Um, of course, Josh Koscheck, not a big fan of Cody. Nam Fan has been the odds-on favorite to win this whole thing. Fight went the, the full two, well, not the full two rounds, but definitely the first round. Uh, McKenzie did more of the damage working at, um, a lot of his uh, punching and working from the clinch. Nam Fan, you know, trying to be more technical, also respecting Cody's guillotine choke. Round two, Cody worked the jab a little bit more, a couple of missed strikes back and forth. Cody came in trying to get the clinch, but it turns out that Fan starts really working it. He actually starts hitting some hooks to the body. He hit a left to the face, a right to the head. Um, Cody McKenzie started retreating, at which point, Nam Fan knew he had the pressure on, put in two big right hands through Cody hit the fence, at which point, you know, Nam's corner's yelling to work the body, at which point a two-punch combo, which ended in an uppercut to the body, drops Cody. It was just formulaic right after that. Fan comes in, a couple of right hands, boom, fight stopped. Nam Fan wins by TKO in round two. Koscheck's team goes fucking bananas, which... It's great to be celebratory, and it's great to, you know, appreciate your teammates' accomplishments, but not for nothing. These fucking guys celebrate like they just won the fucking Super Bowl. It's like, look, you guys had basically three of your uh, of your guys in there, and Mark Stevens, who everybody was fucking creaming in their shorts for, got taken out by by Aaron Wilkinson. Once again, you know, everybody thought that, that Stevens, Mark Stevens, was the was the big fish that was going to take it on Koscheck's team, and it's not the case. Nam Fan definitely looks to be the guy to be on the lookout for. Next week, though, two more quarterfinal fights. You got Aaron Wilkinson and Kyle Watson. I really think that Wilkinson is going to come in there. He's been improving with every fight. See him in the finals, and of course, the fight everybody wants to see: Bruce Leroy and Michael Johnson. Bruce Leroy talking an incredible amount of shit this season, but you know what? His character's been the, the standout this season, so you know what? Fuck it. Let, let him talk shit. It makes for good television. Michael Johnson, great natural athlete, working really well with GSP. I think, though, that he hasn't reached his full potential, but I guarantee you, since he has a real animosity towards Bruce Leroy, he's going to definitely dial it in and possibly take the whole thing. I definitely see... Johnson and Wilkinson advancing, at which point, you know, you still got Brookins in the in the mix as well. They could do Brookins and Nam Fan and maybe Johnson and Wilkinson, or maybe Nam Fan and Johnson and Wilkinson and Brookins. It can go either way. Nonetheless, really great end to it. I, I don't want to say a subpar season, but definitely not one of the more engaging seasons for me. Um, of course, Vanderlei Silva is openly... Uh, running a Twitter campaign to be a coach on the next Ultimate Fighter. I wouldn't mind that. Vanderlei's a great fighter. He has a wealth of knowledge. He can teach these guys a lot, especially with with stories from his pride days. His Muay Thai is disgusting. So 
definitely no problem with Vandalay being a coach on the next season. You can check out MMA Valor's article about that on MyTakeRadio.com. And if you want to help Vandalay become a coach on The Ultimate Fighter, it's at W-A-N-D and W-A-N-D-F-C at, you know, at Twitter.com. And, you know, you can copy at Dana White on that and let him know that you'd like to see Vandalay as a coach on the next season of The Ultimate Fighter for sure. In some other MMA news, the WEC merger, of course, tonight is the final WEC card, which is WEC 52. Um, Uriah Faber is fighting on that card against Akea Mitsugaki. That fight, that card is actually in progress, which is one of the reasons why I'm kind of bummed that I couldn't cover it with you guys since it's really the last WEC event. Nonetheless, starting in January, the UFC-WEC merger is finalized, and you're going to start seeing the WEC fighters making their way into the UFC, one of, one of which the Korean Zombie, or the fighter formerly known as the Korean Zombie, is Chan Sung Jung. He's going to be fighting Ronnie Yaya at UFC Fight Night 23. That's actually going to be the UFC Fight for the Troops event. Um, definitely, the UFC Fight for the Troops is something I like to watch just because it's, it's really uh, great work on behalf of the UFC uh, doing their thing for the armed forces. That's going to be January 22nd, and it's going to take place at Fort Hood in Killeen, Texas. The event is going to raise funds for the Intrepid Fallen Heroes Fund, and it will air on Spike TV. Some of the other fights you're going to see on that is Evan Dunham versus uh, Kenny Florian on the main event, David Mitchell versus a returning Mike Swick, Tim Haig is going to be fighting Matt Mitrione, Mike Guyman versus Demarcus Johnson, and Eve Edwards versus Melvin Gallard on the main card. On the prelims, you're going to see Pat Barry and Joey Beltran, Mark Hominick and George Roop, uh, Willamie Ferre and Waylon Lowe, um, Amarkar Alves and Charlie Brenneman, and like I said, Chan Sung Jung and Ronnie, Ronnie Yaya, which hasn't been confirmed yet by the UFC, but that's more or less where they're leaning that fight to go. Again, UFC Fight for the Troops, great event. Um, anything that helps promote our armed forces, especially today being Veterans Day, definitely great news to hear, and you'll be able to catch that January 22nd on Spike. In some Strike Force news, Herschel Walker will be making his second appearance in the cage for Strike Force for the December 4th event, with the main event being Dan Henderson versus Babalu. Um, the bout is going to take place with, for Herschel Walker at a catch weight of 220. He's going to be fighting former uh, WEC veteran Scott Carson. Also on that card, you're going to see Paul Daly fighting Scott Smith. Robbie Lawler is going to be fighting Matt Lindland. And Antonio Bigfoot Silva is going to be fighting Valentin Overeem. Um, so far, for the preliminary card, I haven't got any fights yet. I know that Jesse Finney is supposed to be fighting on that card. I don't have shit else for you guys, but as soon as I get some new stuff, I'll let you know. Of course, UFC 122 is this weekend, free on Spike TV. If you're not watching it, you should. Main event is going to be Nate Marquardt versus Yushin Okami for a number one contender slot against the winner of Anderson Silva and Vitor Belfort. The week after, you'll be able to see UFC 123 on pay-per-view. That's going to be a main event of Rampage fighting Lyoto Machida. Matt Hughes will be fighting BJ Penn. Joe Lazan is going to be fighting George Sotteropoulos. Tim Boach is going to be fighting Phil Davis. I always fuck up Tim's name. Uh, Miguel Falcao is going to be fighting Gerald Harris. On Spike TV, you'll see Matt Brown versus Brian Foster and Mark Munoz versus Aaron Simpson. On the prelims, you got Carl Parisian on the card, Tyson Griffin, Paul Kelly, 
All those guys will be fighting on the prelims. I'm sure that if any of those fights end quickly, you'll be able to see some of those prelim fights as well. In addition to that, the big one that everybody's keeping an eye on is going to be UFC 125. A lot of great fights there. You got Frankie Edgar defending the lightweight title against Gray Maynard as your main event. Your co-main event is going to be WEC's Jose Aldo defending his featherweight title against Josh Grisby. Also on that card, Takanori Gomi, the fireball kid, is going to be fighting Clay Guida. Nate Diaz is going to be fighting Dong Hyun Kim. Chris Levin is going to be fighting Brian Stan. On the prelims, you've got Thiago Silva versus Brandon Vera. Antonio McKee versus Jacob Volkman. You've got Mike Brown fighting Diego Nunez. Cole Miller versus Matt Wyman. Daniel Roberts versus Greg Soto. The New York badass Phil Baroni fighting Brad Tavares. I'm really hoping that we can see the Baroni fight on Spike TV. I'm a huge fan of Phil Baroni's. One of New York's own. Got to root for him, and, you know, he definitely hasn't been faring so well in the octagon, and I think a fight against Tavares will be a, a great fight for sure. Mike Brown, huge fan of his from his WEC days. I see him coming in there trying to really make an impression, and, of course, the big get, Jose Aldo defending that featherweight title and Frankie Edgar defending the lightweight title are definitely must, must fucking order reasons for this pay-per-view for sure. UFC 125 is going to be awesome, and you'll be able to catch that New Year's Day, which is going to be ridiculous just because it's going to be at the MGM Grand in Vegas. New Year's Eve, people are going to be drunk and fucked up. None of these fighters can party, and um, they're going to all have to fight the next day. In addition to that, there's a rumored uh, lightweight debut for Marcus Davis. He's going to be fighting Jeremy Stevens. Um, this will be the, the first entry into lightweight for Marcus Davis. I'm really hoping he does well. There have been a lot of rumors that he may retire. Um, I'm a huge Marcus Davis fan. He does his thing. I really hope that, um, that he doesn't retire and he does well at lightweight. The guy is just a class act. He's a he's, he's really great ambassador for the sport. And I, it would really bum me out if he left. Strikeforce also took the opportunity to announce their uh, finalized Strikeforce Challengers event card, uh, which will be taking place November 19th. Definitely worth checking out um, Antoine Britt versus Ovin St. Pro. Um, Antoine Britt was actually a guest on yesterday's MMA Gospel broadcast, so if you're a fan of Strikeforce and a fan of MMA Gospel, I definitely recommend you check that out. You can download the episode archived off of iTunes. You can also look for MMA Gospel on Blog Talk Radio by punching in MMA Gospel as well. And, of course, you can listen to them live every Wednesday at 8.30 on Blog Talk Radio. Other fights on the Strike Force Challengers card, you got Shaolin Ribeiro fighting Justin Wilcox. you got Joaquin Spirit Wolf fighting Marius Zoromskis. I'll be watching that fight with much interest. Uh, Jan Finney will be fighting on that card. Carol Fedor. In addition to that, you got Jeremiah Riggs fighting Jason Sharp on the undercard. And Wesley Little versus Jacob No and Goldman Butler fighting Wes Shivers. In addition to that, I got some other preliminary fights here, but for some reason the font is like super small on my notes. And that's going to be it for the MMA segment. I'm going to take a commercial break because I need some fucking water and I'm starting to lose my voice already. But when I get back, we'll talk some wrestling right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> 
Well, you won't listen to that on our show. Because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. All right, and we're back. Let's talk some wrestling. First off, let's talk about the travesty known as TNA Turning Point. Anybody who went into this pay-per-view assuming that it would be remotely good will be sorely disappointed. I think that if I had actually paid money for this pay-per-view, I would have called Verizon and just canceled my service in disgust that I gave them, you know, 40 bucks for this piece of shit. I hate saying it. I try to support TNA as best as I can. They got great talent there. But some of the shit that they just throw on the screen just shouldn't be done. And on top of the fact that it should really be thought through, let's talk about this TNA X Division title match. Jay Lethal was fighting Robbie E, who, of course, is from the, the always popular Jersey Shore gimmick called The Shore. He was accompanied by Cookie. Now... First off, you're probably saying to yourself, how does this guy just come in with a lame ripoff of a TV gimmick and automatically have an X Division title shot? Beats me in this ass-backwards logic. Beats the fuck out of me. I honestly think that Robbie E. should have definitely been working more on improving his wrestling than having two throwaway matches and getting a title shot. I would have rather seen Jay Lethal and Douglas Williams again, honestly. There's so many other guys you can throw in there that can compete. Fuck, you can even throw stoner Brian Kendrick in there against Jay Lethal. I think it was too soon for them to pull the trigger on Robbie E. getting any sort of a title shot. And not only that, but guess what they ended up doing? Oh, you won't believe this. He ended up winning the belt after some shenanigans from Cookie. And and not only that, but he defeated Jay Lethal with the fist pump neckbreaker. If you haven't seen the travesty that is the fist fist pump neckbreaker, YouTube that shit. It was abysmal. It was garbage. I don't understand how they go to such great lengths to get this gimmick over and automatically put it in title contention. I understand that you want to get... So, so, some more of a buzz, and you want to hang on the nuts of the Jersey Shore gimmick, and that's great. But you can just as easily do that by having them walk around, do backstage shit, or little skits, or sneak attacks, and just let him solidify himself first. Fuck, when Dolph Ziggler debuted in the WWE, that motherfucker wasn't allowed anywhere near a title for a long-ass time. And even then, his gimmick was subpar, him walking around and introducing himself to everybody. Definitely not the best gimmick, but you know what? At least they paced it well enough that he got a title shot when he had established himself with, with the crowd. What, you come out, you get booed a couple of times, you do some bullshit-ass fist pump, and you think that all of a sudden, you know, just because you flash your abs and wear some bedazzled fucking T-shirts that you deserve a title shot? Whoever's writing this shit in TNA really needs to go back to the fucking drawing board. Moving on. Tara and Mickey James was actually, to me, 
one of the more brighter points on the card. Both women gr- are definitely great in the ring. We know that. But the the psychology and the storytelling in the match was what made it stand out to me. They actually were beating the shit out of each other like they really hated each other. A lot of people definitely shit on this match. They were like, ah, you know, typical subpar TNA women's match. It wasn't. You have to look at the bigger picture. You have your match that sets up the feud. In addition to that, you, you use storytelling to move it along. Whoever actually helped set up this match did a good job in terms of storytelling. There was great animosity. The match ended in a no contest. They were fighting backstage, just beating the shit out of each other. Security got involved. It was great. It looked intense, and it sold a story. It's a shame that these two women can go in there and do a better match than your two X Division guys. And I'm not even shitting on Jay Lethal because Jay Lethal is a great talent, and he's only doing what he's told. But this whole Robbie E and Cookie thing, definitely not the move. TNA Tag Team title match, Motor City Machine Guns versus Team 3D. Everybody was expecting a great match from these guys. They always work well together. I was very impressed. Of course, the Motor City Machine Guns retained. And as such, that ends the, reti- that ends the reign of Team 3D in TNA. Obviously, Something happened on Impact this week, which which I didn't get a chance to watch. But let's just say we haven't seen the last of Team 3D, and their story is going to unfold a little deeper in the coming weeks. RVD versus Tommy Dreamer, another another match that got billed as as just really some flash in the pan shit. All of a sudden, because Tommy Dreamer is tired of the bullshit, he's going to have a match with RVD. What, because RVD's paranoid because he thinks everybody's out to get him? You're going to have a match with him because of that? The rationale for that alone was really fucking flawed. Had it been that Tommy Dreamer was like the mastermind behind all the sneak attacks on RVD and all the accidents, yeah, maybe you can go that route. Or maybe you can say that Tommy Dreamer was always jealous of RVD's spotlight in every company they were in. It's absurd. Maybe they should have done that instead of going with the, the atypical, really, really paper-thin storyline. I like Tommy Dreamer, I like RVD, and there's so much history and so much chemistry there that they could have gone a little deeper with the story. Unfortunately, they had to go the easy way and go with the, the most cookie-cutter bullshit I've read and seen in a long time. The next garbage match on the card was EV 2.0, which is Raven, Rhino, Sabu, and all of a sudden Brian Kendrick, and Stevie Richards against Fortune, AJ Styles, Kazarian, Douglas Williams, James Storm, and Robert Roode. Obviously, for those of you that have been reading the sheets and all the sites over the last few weeks, you know that Sabu's contract with TNA is over. They don't have nothing for him. They're not renewing his contract. Gee, it's a no-brainer who's getting fired. Fortune wins. Sabu gets fired, that's it. And then, of course, you know, they do a nice, uh, nice send-off for the guy, which is, which is great and all, but still, very formulaic match, very much bullshit. Not only that, but of course, given what happened during this week's TNA broadcast, which again, I'm fucking bummed I can't share it with you guys, the, the, the victory was pointless. What, you fired Sabu? You could have just as easily just written a good injury angle and written him off like that, where he comes out and he cuts a promo that, you know, he's too injured and he can't continue. Something, something better than 
the winning team gets to fire somebody from the losing team. Again, a piss-poor and shitty concept executed in really stupid fashion. It's terrible. Fucking terrible. The Pope versus Abyss was with uh, the Pope's congregation as Lumberjacks. Again, another thrown-together match. I really don't see any reasoning for this feud whatsoever other than to keep the Pope on television and to give Abyss more screen time. Needless to say, Bischoff comes out, offers a little money to the congregation, which is stupid. When the fuck did he become the million-dollar man? All of a sudden, the congregation turns on the Pope, whoops his ass, or black hole slammed by Abyss. That's it. Jeff Jarrett versus Samoa Joe. Really stupid ending. Um, involvement by TNA security. Jeff Jarrett wins by submission. He locks in the rear naked choke. Chokes Joe unconscious. Joe is out. He didn't tap. But, but why do that? Why continue to just bury Samoa Joe the way he's been buried? You're talking about a guy whose career in Ring of Honor is legendary. When he came to TNA, his feud with Kurt Angle, his matches with Daniels and Styles, fucking five-star classics, and you're relegated to, to wrestling Jeff Jarrett with, in, a, in a match that's just utter bullshit. I mean, don't get me wrong, they had some really great spots, uh, ankle locks, you had um, some chops in there, you had some exploder suplex, a nice elbow, a nice elbow suicidia from, from Joe, but again, just with Jarrett, it's really a mixed bag trying to get good matches out of the guy. I'm not shitting on him, but again, certain people just have really great natural chemistry in the ring. Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle is a shining example of great chemistry. When those guys get in the ring, you're expecting memorable matches, really great moves, and a great story. This whole shit with Jeff Jarrett, part of Immortal, and Bischoff, total horseshit. I definitely don't like it at all. But, again, this is what's going on with the Hogan-Bischoff regime. We can't do anything about it except not watch it. The TNA world title match was with Hardy and Matt Morgan. Morgan, of course, turned on Fortune, put his name on the contract, challenging Jeff Hardy in the, in the, in the place of the injured Mr. Anderson who's at home with a concussion. If you thought for one solitary second that, that Matt Morgan was going to win, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. If you thought for one second Matt Morgan was winning that TNA World, World Championship, it wasn't going to happen. Matt Morgan, decent match. I want to say decent. I was going to almost say poor, but it had its moments. The problem is, again, Jeff Hardy's a guy whose who's wrestling has always been suspect. I always felt that Hardy... That, that Jeff Hardy had the better move set to make the crowd go nuts, but Matt Hardy was the better talker. Matt Hardy's wrestling, to me, was never that great, but his mic work was fantastic. And I've always said it. If you combine Matt and Jeff, you'll get the complete wrestler. Separate and against certain people, their talents are exposed. Jeff Hardy against Matt Morgan is a perfect example of that. Matt Morgan tries to be the athletic big man, and Jeff Hardy tries to use his nice, unique cruiserweight offense. And I'm saying unique, and I'd really like to use air quotes for that because it's pretty much punch, kick, punch, kick, possible leg drop to the stomach, possible reverse DDT, whisper in the wind, twist of fate, match over. You don't really see um, 
too much innovation from Jeff Hardy. He works his matches, I really want to say, in a safe manner. I know that they call him the daredevil, and he does all this crazy shit. But what was the last really legit crazy thing Jeff Hardy's done? Honestly. I mean, my, my, my fondest memory of him doing some crazy shit is a swanton bomb off a ladder, the swanton bomb off the balcony in the impact zone. Um, those are great, extreme Jeff Hardy moments. Now he's just more formulaic. His antichrist of professional wrestling gimmick hasn't caught on yet. And I think that being flanked by fucking Hogan, Bischoff, and those guys doesn't help. If he really wanted to solidify himself as the antichrist of wrestling, then you're supposed to align yourself with a guy like Abyss. You take the guys from Inc. Inc., you bring in Matt Hardy, you create a nice little stable, and you just whoop everybody's ass in TNA. That's the only way I can see that storyline working. Him aligning himself with Bischoff and Hogan and Fortune, it just, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. The only thing I will tell you from this week's Impact is that they unveiled a brand-new TNA title that was presented to Jeff Hardy, which looks like utter dog shit. I'm sure that it'll be on TNAWrestling.com in a nice big graphic. Hardy gets a new belt. Blah, blah, blah. And, and it's, really, it's, it's really an ugly fucking belt. I don't know what's worse, that or the pennies that the unified tag team champions uh, in the WWE wear. It's a fucking toss-up. But again, TNA turning point definitely was the turning point to me never ordering a TNA pay-per-view ever. Ever. I'd rather wait and watch the shit on, on DVD or watch highlights. or down, I'd, I can't. I don't see. It's an injustice that people paid money for this horse shit. And Eric Bischoff sits there on Twitter and on Facebook. Yeah, this is, expect big things, expect great things. You know what I expect? You not to be on my fucking television. You not wearing a fucking karate gi like it's WCW 1996. That's what I expect. Hulk Hogan's, Hulk Hogan's getting a marriage certificate because he's getting married. Dude, stay the fuck home. Stay home and fuck your young wife. Stop hobbling your ass out to the ring every week. Is your, is your fucking ego that big that you have to come out on crutches like a fucking stroke victim to be on television? Dude, your legacy solidified. You are one of the greatest wrestlers of our generation. Stay your ass home. Stay home. Keep an eye on your daughter so she doesn't have pictures of herself all over the internet scantily clad. Stay home. Be a father to your son so he doesn't leave any more of his fence crippled in car accidents. I, I love Hulk Hogan. The guy, he, I've, I've watched him wrestle since I was a child. But there's a point in your life where you've got to hang it the fuck up. Hang it up. You want to be on TV? Color commentate. Be a, be, um, a GM or... A, or some type of, of something in the back office where you're not on fucking television every 10 minutes. It's, it's terrible. It, it's beyond terrible. And then you see Dixie Carter tweeting, oh, you know, I'm trying to get my company back. It's great that you're trying to extend the storyline into Twitter, and that's really admirable of you, Dixie, and that's great, you know, using a new medium, but you can't erase the fact that your product looks like shit. Utter shit. It really does. You can't erase it. You can't erase the bitter taste in the mouths of countless wrestling fans who feel that the only good match on the card was between two veterans 
from the WWE being Tara and Mickey James. How the fuck is that possible when you have a huge wealth of young talent? Fuck TNA. What, oh, man. It's, it's absurd. It really is absurd. You know what? Let's get into this week's Monday Night Raw, which was decent. It really was decent. I'm not going to say it was great, but let's run down some of the matches. The first match was a Divas Cup match with Eve Torres and the Bella Twins against Maurice, Alicia Fox, and Tamina. Decent match. The fucking Bella Twins with the switcheroo. Of course they win. That's that. David Otunga comes out. He starts bitching, carrying on. Typical shit. You know, Otunga fights Cena. That's your main event. Well, that's one of the main event matches. Let's just leave it at that. Your second match of the night, the Hart Dynasty and the Usos, which we've seen time and time again. Of course, the Usos win, and they continue teasing. <coughs> Excuse me. I think I need a drink of water. Pardon me a second. They continue teasing the dissension with the Hart Dynasty, which I just don't feel it going anywhere. One of your best tag teams, and you guys want to break them up so soon? <sighs> Next match, you had Goldust, Ted DiBiase. Same shit with the million-dollar belt. Bullshit with Oksana. Again, another feud. I really feel that they, both guys can be used better. Not, not a feud that's getting my attention. John Cena and David Otunga, you obviously knew that Starscream Otunga was getting his ass beat. Of course, Barrett puts Otunga in a match on SmackDown where if he loses, he's out of Nexus. We all know how this is going to go. Nice little segment with Santino where they did a tea time with Santino with him and Vladimir Kozlov uh, dressed as proper Englishmen making fun of Sheamus. <clears throat> Definitely a better segment than most. Santino, again, the comedy shtick, while it, it's funny and it has its moments, it, I, I feel it's run its course. I've seen Santino's work in OVW. The guy can really wrestle. I don't know why they don't move him and start pushing him towards a more serious gimmick. Same thing with Kozlov. Kozlov's playing second banana. You brought this guy in like he was a legit badass, and he's being booked like a fucking clown. Again, the segment was funny, but these are two talents that can be better used. At which point, of course, the segment with Santino led into a match with Sheamus. And, of course, Sheamus comes and whoops Santino's ass. John Morrison gets involved, adds a little bit more fuel to the fire. The match was utter shit. segment was fucking gold. Like I said, there was a lot of funny shit there. You can probably find it on YouTube or Hulu, and you can see that segment, and you can probably get a laugh or two as well. Uh, the last match, special guest referee was John Cena. Team Orton was Randy Orton, R-Truth, Daniel Bryan, Mark Henry, and The Miz against The Nexus. Of course, they're going to keep teasing all these matches leading up to Survivor Series because I'm sure there's going to be some sort of a match with Nexus and some mixture of WWE superstars at Survivor Series. Of course, The Nexus wins because fucking Miz turns on Orton, hits him with the skull-crushing finale, Barrett covers and wins. Again... A bit of an agenda by The Miz. 
maintaining his uh, his nice heelish streak. Not only that, but he's not going to help Randy Orton, who's a guy who's holding what he wants most, which is the belt. Again, decent storytelling, multiple finishers hit by everybody as usual, but not not the best showing. It really was, a, I want to say, a decent Raw. It wasn't poor, but it was definitely decent. Absurd. I think that Raw has the potential to be a better show when they're not abroad. Usually when they go and they do these shows from the U.K. and from all these places, I always feel like something is missing. I don't know if it's the connection with the U.S. audience or that the U.K. fans view certain wrestlers differently. I just always feel like the spark isn't, isn't as bright as it normally is when they're in the U.S. Hopefully shit will improve for next week. Let's go through the remainder of the wrestling news. Um, if you saw TNA's turning point, and I feel bad that you did, and you checked out the referee that was there, here's something funny. The referee, Jackson James, is actually Eric Bischoff's son. Garrett Bischoff. Garrett has been training under Brian Knobs, and nobody in, his, in TNA knows his identity, and, it's, and nobody knows if he'll be revealed as Bischoff's son on television, but the referee for the Turning Point main event, his son. How about that? So I don't know if they're going to start introing his son into television, but really, you, you bring your kid in, that's what it's come down to? In other news, if you watch Raw this week, you notice Jerry Lawler wasn't on this week's broadcast of Raw. It's because the King is battling a staph infection in his knee, which is very severe, according to JR, that he put on his Twitter. Um, he's actually getting daily IV injections of and daily um, IV injections and antibiotics. And there's actually uh, rumors that he may have to have the piece of staff cut out of his knee. Um, would love to wish Jerry Lawler a speedy recovery. I actually met him at Comic-Con. He's a really nice dude, and um, I wish him nothing but a speedy recovery. TNA also took the opportunity, and they wrote Raven off of this week's uh, TNA broadcast. So Raven is, quote-unquote, done with the company for, based on an angle that happened for Impact. Um, I don't believe it's for this week's Impact, and I think it's for next week. Nonetheless, if you do see the match, and it was this week, I apologize for misinforming you, but Raven is not going to be on TV for much longer, so if you are a fan of his, definitely take the opportunity this week and next week to watch TNA Impact. It sucks just because I like Raven. He hasn't been good in the ring in a couple of years for a multitude of reasons, but his promo work is fantastic. He can be a mouthpiece for any of these other goth, wrestling dudes that are shitty on the mic. The guy's mic work, fantastic. And I, I honestly think Raven would even make a good color commentator because his wealth of wrestling knowledge, his extensive vocabulary, and just his high IQ make him just a, a knowledge of wrestling. The guy knows his shit. Well, he's also a comic book fan, which, you know, is, is cool in my book. But still, it's, it's unfortunate that he hasn't gotten the opportunity to really shine in TNA like when he had won the belt when they were doing the, uh, the TNA weekly pay-per-views. Again, Raven's one of those talents that he's a mixed bag for most people. Some people think he's cool, some people don't. But the problem is that, that Raven, he's not the same Raven anymore for, for God knows what reason. But I think he really has a place in TNA. It's a shame that he's not going to be there for much longer. Whether they bring him back or not remains to be seen. But I'm sure that the door is always open for his return. 
Last but not least, to wrap up their wrestling news, Lacey Von Erich recently announced on Twitter as of earlier this evening that she has decided to leave TNA, and she wants to go on to try new things. She feels that she definitely hasn't lived up to the Von Erich wrestling family name and that she would like to go and possibly do something in Hollywood, either um, as, a host for, uh, as the host of a TV program or something like that. It's unfortunate, but look, Lacey Von Erich, beautiful young lady. Everybody knows it. But her wrestling, utter shit. And you know what? She could have hurt herself and hurt any of the performers in there. And you know what? She has a family. She has children. Better that you walk away quietly and keep yourself intact than try to break your body down in a, in a, in a career that maybe that may not be for you. Some people just can't be wrestlers. It happens. Maybe that wasn't the career choice for her. Nonetheless, she has announced that she is done with TNA. She's been with TNA since 2009. And I think the fitting phrase for it is Lacey Von Erich. Hate to watch you, love to see you leave. With that said, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to talk some video games right after this. I wonder what's on tonight, even. Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you save me? This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what... What are we doing tonight, tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m., blogtalkradio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? All right. Let's talk some video games. First off, of course, the Connect. Everybody's talking about it. If you haven't seen the Connect in action, head over to My Take Radio's uh, YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash... My Take Radio TV, and you can check out the Connect in Action. I actually got to test it with uh, Black Bible from GamerFitNation.com, and um, I got to tell you, I really like the Connect. I do. There's a couple of things I don't like. You need a decent amount of space in your house. If you live in a fucking studio apartment, you can't play the shit the way it's meant to be played. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. If you got shit all over your living room, don't expect to fucking jump and dive and, and do all this crazy shit. It's not going to happen. You've obviously seen articles already and videos on YouTube of Connect Fail, where two players, somebody always gets hit or elbowed or some crazy shit like that. It, it happens. If you're interested in getting the Connect, make sure you have plenty of space for it. With that said... According to uh, VGCharts.com's data, it seems that they have sold over 480 Connect sensors, which, of course, w bundled with that is Connect Adventures. So, they, fucking half a million units already. Their top-selling Connect titles are the following: Connect Sports at 142,000, Dance Central at 132,000, Your Shape Fitness was 61,000. Connectimals was 98,000. Fighters Uncaged, 31,000. Connect Joyride, 31,000. Sonic Free Riders, 18,000. Motion Sports, 16,198. Adrenaline Misfits, I don't even know what the fuck that is, 3,000 units. 
and Dance Masters was 3,459. How legit these numbers are, I'm not sure. It seems VG charts, a lot of people have cited them as a source. I can definitely see half a million units selling. I've seen people um, buying connects left and right. I went to Best Buy this past weekend. People were buying it. Definitely see it as, as being one of the must-have items this holiday season. In addition to that, Burger King's running a promotion if you want the Connect and don't want to pay any money, where you can go to bkconnect.com and get six entry codes for free, and you can plug those codes into the site, and you can get the chance to actually win a Connect for free. A couple of guys I follow on Twitter have won a Connect system, a Connect bundle for free from Burger King. They actually put a picture of themselves receiving the bundle. The other way you can enter is by buying a Whopper meal at Burger King and entering the code off the Whopper wrapper, and you can get the Connect for free that way as well. Figured I'd share it with you guys just in case. I know the fucking recession is killing a lot of us. So, hey, if you can win a Connect for free, why not? I mean, yeah, I don't advocate eating Burger King often because it's utter shit, but for a free video game system that includes an Xbox 360 plus a Connect. Eh, an occasional Whopper may not hurt. Nonetheless, you can check that out at bkconnect.com. The recently rebranded Behavior Studios is working on two sequels to two games that looked great in theory, but definitely underperformed in execution. One of those games, Naughty Bear, which actually looked severely pro seriously promising, I should say, is getting a sequel. In addition to that, Wet which we know that Slick and countless other uh, fans of the show love, is also getting a sequel. Behavior CEO Remy Racine said the following, We're working on Wet 2 right now and Naughty Bear 2. Racine went on to talk more about Wet and said that Bethesda picking up the publishing rights during the Activision mer merger. <clears throat> Damn, that was poorly phrased. I'm sorry. Nonetheless, he said the following, we were very happy with Bethesda's commitment, Racine told Joystick, but in their defense, we probably signed them too late. We should have signed them probably six months prior so we had more time to market the game. I think they came in late. Still, they did a very good job of promoting the game in the community. In the time that they, did it with, that they had, they did a good job. Racine went on to add that the $50 price point of wet was set by Bethesda and that Naughty Bear he feels was more of a $50 game, and Wet should have been a $60 game. First off, Wet shouldn't have even been a $50 game. Wet should have been a $30 game. Naughty Bear should have been a $30 game. Both games sounded fantastic in theory, but it was either awkward controls, poor camera angles, or just not enough of a, of a fan base to help move units. That's it. And the fact that you're working on sequels for them, I really hope there's a severe improvement. A lot of people gave Bayonetta a lot of shit because it was a new IP, and it wasn't for everybody. I actually enjoyed the game. It was, yeah, I paid full price for it, but it was enjoyable. Fuck it, I said it. Wet also. It's a game I'd pay 30 bucks for new. If I had to buy it now, I'd pay 15 bucks or 10 bucks for it. I can tell you this, Wet is a better game than Samurai Showdown Sen, which I made the fucking stupid mistake of purchasing when I went to purchase Plants vs. Zombies this weekend. I'd rather play the game Wet three times over than play the shit that is Samurai Showdown Sen. 
You know what Samurai Showdown Send reminds me of? Fucking the, the Samurai game on PlayStation 1. That's what it reminds me of, where you fight in a forest, and if you swung your sword the right way, you could decapitate somebody. That's the way it looks graphically. The controls look like shit. You can't even throw a hurricane with Haomaru. It's, it's abysmal. It is abysmal. I've taken more... Let me tell you something. I'd rather give myself a hand job with flypaper than play that fucking game. Samurai Showdown said, if you're even debating it, think twice, because it sucks ass. Get wet. Get the wet game for fucking 20 bucks. It's a better value. You'll probably beat it in four hours and can sell it back for 10. Fuck, I'd rather play Naughty Bear. There, there's my mini review of Samurai Showdown Sen. Moving on. For those of you that are playing Fallout New Vegas, oh, looks like we got our first caller. Let's let's bring him in. Ah, I think Slick is going to start this party off. Slick, what's up, dude? Dude, why the fuck are they making wet too? What the fuck are you going to fucking call it? Wetter? I don't know. Wettest. Get wet. <laughs> How about get bent to the fucking assholes who are making that shit? Well, you know, the funny thing is that, and I, I like this guy. I like this guy, Remy Racine, because he's sitting there and he's like, eh, wet should have been a $60 game. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Wet should have been a $60. This shit is $30 in the store right now, and it's still overpriced. Dude, Shank is a better game than wet. Of course it is. People gave it some fucking thought. Thank you. But you know what the funny thing is? That that game, Drake of the 99 Dragons. And that was a piece of shit for the Xbox. I'll tell you what. I'll give Naughty Bear points for originality. It's just that the execution was shit. Wet has the same problem. It sounded great. Very Kill Bill, uh, excessive ultraviolence. All of that was fantastic. But the gameplay was just so fucking formulaic and so one-dimensional that it just it, you couldn't connect with the character. Like, you'd play and you're like, that's it? That's it? You're, you know, it's like, it's, it's like, oh, I got the Matrix and Kill Bill, they fucked and had a baby. And Elijah Dushku does the voice. Great. Yeah, after your analogy of the flypaper, after I played the freaking wet demo, I'd rather have a fucking White Castle feast with Harold and Kumar with extra jalapenos and fucking have to wipe my ass with the coarsest grain sandpaper on earth. It, it's crazy, dude. I, you know, it, here's the thing that bugs me. With a game like wet, that every that they promoted the shit out of it. You know they did. It was everywhere, commercials, fucking ads and full-page ads in magazines. When you got that kind of a hype machine behind it, mind you, Bethesda promoted the game with limited time. Don't you think that Bethesda should have been like, hey, you know, we put out some real quality shit, and this game isn't that great. <laughs> How about no, that? They never admit when they put out a piece of shit. Dude, if fucking EA can admit they put out a piece of shit, then Bethesda should do the same. They're like, look, this fucking game was balls. It was. It was utter shit. 
and we're sorry. How about this? It, it'll be 19.99 new. How about it? No, you just gotta produce a fucking wet food stamp and you get that shit free. <laughs> it, dude, I I really want to play the game because again, sometimes the demos don't do the games justice. But everybody's told me the same thing. They're like, the game is, eh, you know, it's meh. And Naughty Bear, don't even don't even get me started with the whole Naughty Bear thing and the fact that he says that Naughty Bear was was a fifty dollar should be oh, a fifty dollar game. Naughty Bear should have fucking been Pedal Bear. They should have let Pedal Bear run wild in his fucking streets and just capture children. It would have been a better game. Ugh. There you go. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. I tell you this. Wait till I get to the movie news. That's oh. all I gotta say. You always say that, then I just fucking die inside a little bit. There you go. But don't die too much. <laughs> All right, Anything man. else, buddy? No, I'll talk to you later, man. All right, man. Thanks. Peace. All right. Speaking of Bethesda, to make up for their piece of shit with wet, they actually have some great news with Fallout New Vegas. Of course, they are touting the game's success. Within the first month of release, the game has shipped more than 5 million units for the PS3, Xbox 360, and PC. Once you factor in digital downloads, the game has made over $300 million in sales. Uh, Vladko Andonov, president of Bethesda, said, We're delighted by the reception of Fallout New Vegas. Despite the large launch quantities for this title, we have already received substantial reorders from our retail partners underscoring the tremendous popularity of this highly entertaining game. We believe Fallout New Vegas will be the must-buy title for gamers throughout the holiday season. In addition to that, they also announced a new patch, which will be released in the coming weeks. The patch is said to be comprehensive and will fix saving issues, some graphic issues, and a number of other issues being reported. So, keep that in mind if you are a fan of the Fallout series. EA also, took, EA also made an announcement this week that they're going to be releasing roster update football, I mean Madden NFL football for the 3DS in the first half of 2011. The game will include a season mode, 11-on-11 football, and a 5-on-5 mode. In addition to that, you're going to have a new call your shots functionality that lets users draw their own plays on the screen. In addition to that, you'll have three types of play calling available, game flow, arcade, and classic. So you can expect that as a launch title for the upcoming 3DS. Of course, a couple of episodes back, I announced that EA canceled NBA Elite, and has, uh, at, after an, uh, announcing the cancellation of that game, they made an announcement that they were reorganizing the EA Sports brand. According to 1UP, they're actually going to have one team that's going to oversee creations of assets and the sharing of assets to other studios. In addition to that, they're eliminating two GM positions. As part of the transition, they've eliminated uh, site uh, GM roles at EAC and Tiburon. Each sports franchise for EA from now on will have its own GM that will report to Andrew Wilson, who's the senior vice president of EA Sports. See, I'm a little concerned with things like this. Not that I don't take the opportunity to shit on EA every chance I get for a multitude of things, but I feel that having all your properties under one umbrella and not dedicated in, uh, you know, not to dedicated studios, 
I think they're going to spread themselves too thin, and certain properties are definitely going to suffer. Because you got Fight Night, you got Madden, you got NCAA, you got EA Sports MMA, you got you know any of those other games like SSX, which they're bringing back, and all of that under one umbrella. I I see something definitely suffering. Not to mention the FIFA titles. Having all that under one umbrella is just a recipe for disaster. That's how I feel. I really think that having all that under under the one company umbrella is is going to do more harm than good, but. We'll see how it pans out in the coming months. According to Gamma Sutra, the, the next entry in the, calling, in the Call of Duty series will be taking place in the future. Industry sources that spoke to Gamma Sutra said that the next Call of Duty game will be taking place in a future setting and will probably include Space Marines. The next game in the series is being made by Sledgehammer Games, and Activision described it as an innovative take that will further broaden the audience of Call of Duty. So, Call of Duty in space. Much like Leprechaun in space, Hellraiser in space, the minute an established franchise jumps into space, it's a recipe for failure. But I'll tell you what, the Call of Duty games, fucking Black Ops, just just milking in, swimming in money, milking in dough, it's, I'm not, I can't shit on it. I honestly can't. If they do it in, in space and they do a good job of it, who knows? Maybe you're fighting the fucking Soviets in the space race. Who knows? But Call of Duty in space, folks. That's next. Viacom announced today that they are planning to sell off Harmonix, the developers of such titles as Rock Band, Beatles Rock Band, and most recently Dance Central. Viacom didn't go into any specifics, but one of the reasons many people are saying is because of the declining interest in music-related games. Music rhythm games such as Rock Band have had declining sales over the past few years, and that's probably one of the many reasons why they're selling harmonics. But you know what? Of course music games are going to fucking decline, you dumb assholes. There's a new fucking music game every fucking ten minutes. You got Guitar Hero. You got Band Hero, you got Rock Band, DJ Hero, Sing Star, Def Jam Rap Star, fucking Kaleidoscope Hero, fucking Trombone Hero, Triangle Hero. I can go on and on for days about all these bullshit-ass music titles that they just keep coming out. Does every musical act need a fucking game? I can understand the Beatles needing a game, but did Green Day need a game? Did they? Did they need their own game? Did Aerosmith need their own fucking game? No. You put out one game every few years and downloadable content. That's it. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Dark Helmet. Lego Rock Band. Let's not forget that because, you know, you have to go Lego Rock Band, too. It, it, it's, it, it's disgusting that they sit here in shock that they're not making that, – that the sales are declining. They're like, oh, no, nobody's buying our games because they got a fucking room full of fake instruments, you fucking assholes. You got rock band instruments. You got Guitar Hero instruments. You got DJ Hero turntables. You got Def Jam Rap Star mics. It's absurd. You need a thousand accessories. And, yeah, sure, you can buy the game for 60 bucks. But, you know, then they suck you in. Get the new guitars. Get the new fucking turntables. Get the new drum kit. Use authentic instruments. 
before you know it, you've spent three, $400 on fake instruments. You're spending more money on fake instruments than you'll probably spend on guitar lessons in the real world. It's a no-brainer why you fuckers ain't making money. It's stupid. The big question is, what happens to harmonics now? Do they get purchased by Activision, who, who are rumored to be interested? Maybe Microsoft. It should be interesting to see how this pans out in the coming weeks. I tell you what, though, Rock Band is a very successful franchise, so whoever is interested definitely needs to lock it up sooner rather than later. And, of course, Call of Duty Black Ops, like I said before, just murdering the competition, murdering it. You want to hear some numbers, you guys? Here's some crazy shit. 5.6 million units were sold in, 20, in the first 24 hours throughout North America and the United Kingdom. That's $360 million in revenue. This exceeds previous records set by Modern Warfare 2. Modern Warfare moved 4.7 million units and had a revenue of 310. Call of Duty Black Ops killed it. Not only that, but they're saying that they're on, uh, well on track to outperform last year's five-day goal of $550 million, according to Bobby Kotick, CEO of Activision Blizzard. The Call of Duty franchise has over 25 million players that are engaged in billions of hours of gameplay. Billions. It, it's, a, it's crazy. This is like blockbuster movie money. Again, I don't play the Call of Duty games often. I just, not that I dislike them, I just don't have the time to invest into jumping online and getting killed every five minutes. The frustration in that will probably fucking drive me to fling myself out a window or possibly break a controller. But it's, it's getting some really great reviews. Everybody on Twitter, Metacritic, friends of mine, all they, they're all saying the same shit. Like, dude, are you playing Black Ops yet? I'm like, no. You know what I'm playing? Split Second. That's what I'm playing now. Split Second and Drake's Uncharted, the first one. That's why, because I have such a stack of games i got to play, plus movies, plus real-world shit, plus the show, that i, I got to catch up, I know. But, but Black Ops, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking have to part with some money and pick it up. <sighs> For those of you that were playing the APB game and were bummed that it got cut short, you may be getting a second chance. According to GameIndustry.biz, the K2 Network has purchased the game for $2.4 million. Not only that, but they may have the game up and running within the before the year is out. Before the year is out, fuck! All my words are fucked up tonight. K2, of course, is known for its reputation for buying failed MMOs and making them free to play. They picked up Nine Dragons from Acclaim and they made it free to play. So, for those of you that liked APB, you still may be able to play it, and best of all, you'll be able to play it for free. Last bit of video game news. Activision's Guitar Hero Warriors of Rock will be releasing some, some Rock Legends tracks in the coming days. The Legendary Musicians pack is going to have the following. Alice Cooper. The songs from Alice Cooper are going to be Elected and Poison. The group Poison is going to have Talk Dirty to Me. Rush is going to have three songs. Tom Sawyer, uh, Limelight, and... Wow, that's spelled right. I think it's Red Barchetta. Slash featuring Iggy Pop is going to have We're All Gonna Die, 
Slash with Dave Grohl and Duff McKagan is going to have Watch This. Slash featuring Shadows is going to have Nothing to Say, and Tesla will have Love Song. The Warriors of Rock track pack is going to be available on Xbox Live for 1,600 Microsoft points and on the PS3 for 1999. On the Wii, it'll be 2,000 Wii points. In addition to that, you can pick up the songs individually for 160 Microsoft points on Xbox Live, a buck 99 on the PS3, or 200 Wii points. I'm going to take a quick commercial break, which, by the way, all, all these commercials are going to be replaced soon. I know they get very repetitive, and I apologize. I've actually sent emails out to all these guys to send new commercials in, and they should be debuting in the coming weeks. I'm going to drink some more water as my voice slowly disappears, and when I get back, we're going to talk some movies right after this. Stay tuned. The following advertisement is for BarnstubbornRadio.com. Barnstubborn Radio. We like news, we like current events, but we like the fucked up news and the fucked up current events. At Born Southern Radio, we talk about everything in entertainment. We talk about movies. We talk about music. Mostly heavy stuff. Have good mosh pitting! And because we're big fun. Alright, I had to cut that short because for some reason the audio coming through my headphones was really shitty and really garbled. So I wasn't sure if it was a blog talk radio issue or if it was an issue on my end. So I'm hoping that it's just a little hiccup in the signal coming to my headphones and it's not the makings of a shitty, shitty end to the show. But nonetheless, let's talk some movies. First off, the rap is reporting that the reboot of Spider-Man will not include Mary Jane. According to a source close to the project, Mary Jane is currently not featured in the screenplay. Emma Stone is going to be in the film as Gwen Stacy. Originally, everybody thought that Emma Stone was going to be playing Mary Jane, but filmmakers have decided to cast her as Gwen Stacy. They felt that they had to stick to one love interest. Production for Spider-Man begins in December. Oh, look, I think I have a caller, and I think it's probably Ant. Yo, what's up? Yes, me. What's up, dude? Oh, you mentioned Call of Duty in space. Oh, God. Well, certainly did, my friend. It's by a different development team, too. It's not by Infinity Ward or Activision or any of that crap. Oh, man. Dude, you knew it had to happen. It had to happen. You knew it was going there. No, I thought that maybe the next Call Call of Duty game would be like, almost like, what was it, Ghost Recon, Future Soldier, or whatever it's called. Like, you know, slightly in the future, a little bit with future tech, but not like all the way up in space with Space Marines now. I mean, we just got done with Halo. We're never going to deal with this. Well, you know what? Here's here's the funny thing with that. You uh, what? Uh, and let's be honest. What else is there? How many times can you kill Bin Laden? You fucking killed Castro in this new one, and the Cubans are all pissed off. I, I understand that they want to go that route, and it it makes sense. But unless you do a really kick-ass job with it, and like you said, it's a different studio. It's Call of Duty in fucking space. It's more of the same. Unless you got jetpacks, which again, like you said, it'll be fucking Halo then. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems like, I don't know what they could possibly do. Um, it, like, oh, 
I'm trying to I'm trying to think of on the fly some kind of a story that can make this all make sense that doesn't involve aliens. I mean, if it ends up being called to do with aliens, then we just might as well just call it Halo. No, I think that it's probably going to be some shit where some fucking ass-backwards armpit of a country decides to, you know, advance themselves in the space race. It'll probably be the North Koreans or, you know, some shit. And we got to go up there, and it'll probably take place in, like, a space station and on the moon and, and on Mars and stupid shit like that. That's probably what they're going to go with. Uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that if we're, if we're talking about in space, that there's actually something different, like, an actual in-space mission with Zero-G, because we don't see that kind of stuff in games. Like when, when they talk about in space, they talk about, like, let's go to a different planet, let's go to a space station, let's go somewhere that has lower gravity. Like, yeah, we can do lower gravity, it's easy, just make you jump higher. But, like, I want to see something where you're using a jetpack kind of like Dead Space 2, and you get to move around in 360 degrees. Like, that would be something different that could possibly push it forward. I mean, we got, like, Dude, like as long Halo as you... Reach... Halo Reach actually just yeah. tried to tried to push the boundaries a little bit with their flight, their one flight level. But like, if we can get a game that has more stuff like that and make it more than just one part of the campaign, I think it can go somewhere. You know what? As long as you get to wear astronaut bubble suits and shoot terrorists with a machine gun, I'm sure it'll sell. Oh, and especially since like in space, I'm still not sure what exactly happens when your 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 vacuum suit like breaks. I want to see that happen in a game. Like if you explode, oh, or dude, if you I'd love freeze up. I'd love for I'd love for the pressure to fucking go off in somebody's suit, and as you shoot them, they just start screaming and they fucking explode. <laughs> dude, we'll put like a smile terrible. on my face. It's just like you're fucking shooting the North Koreans or or the Russians, and it's like it's just like oh my god, ah! Ah! and they just fucking explode, just implode into a big vacuum of shit. Oh, it'd be fantastic, dude. It would put such a... Just screaming as you shoot him with, like, an AK-47, and they're just fucking dying. Oh, come on, man. Oh, it'd be great. It would be so great. Oh, man. Well, it comes to things with, like, in space, I don't know how bullets work, so it would have to be lasers and shit. But even so, lasers can probably burn that suit. Oh, yeah, lasers and fucking... You gotta have laser beams and... Fucking just, like I said, just people screaming and, and their heads getting blown up from the vacuum of space. Not only that, but you have to, you have to de- defend a spaceship. You have to defend it, and you have to be on the side of the fucking spaceship with, like, the hose attached to the ship, and you just fucking blowing shit up and just killing everything. Oh, man, it would be great. Yeah, that kind of stuff would actually make that game successful. But if they make it, like, Call of Duty, like it's always been, and kind of stick to the whole ground level, let's let's fight on Mars and change change the dirt to red. Like that wouldn't sell right. So I'm thinking they really need to do some zero G stuff. Yeah, zero G would definitely be one of the better things I'd like to see. Zero G definitely is the move. Yeah, maybe throw in some vehicles, but they don't have to do that because then that goes into the battlefield territory. Oh yeah, but they you know even, even if you throw some vehicles in, you know, you can do like a moon lander you can do shit like that. Shit like that will work, you know? Yeah, like, like how you had the, um, when you had kill streaks in Call of Duty, you unlocked the, uh, was the AC-130 or the helicopter, just something like that. Like, just add more of that kind of stuff in, but make it make it happen in space to where you don't have to just aim straight down and with, with, the, with the helicopter. You can aim anywhere, pretty much. Yeah, I definitely, 
like I said, I, I'm going to reserve judgment, but, like, we know how it goes with fucking, with movies and with movies that take place in space. And unless you do a kick-ass job with it, I, I just don't, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any way that you, that you can fit this into a middle ground. Like, it's either very extremely good and revolutionary or it's just a com- complete colossal failure. That's it. Anything that's else all to add, my friend? The issue. No, that's it. All right, buddy, stick around, because I'm sure you'll call back for the movies. Oh, I probably will. All right, buddy, later. See And I see we have Dark Helmet also holding on the line. I'm sure he has something to rage about in regards to the Spider-Man news. Helmet. Yes, sir. What do you got, my friend? I got this first. Hold on. Shoot. I don't know if you heard that. I, I didn't hear a damn thing. All I heard was something garbled. Uh, I, mean, I was trying to play the space ball surrounded by assholes thing. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> that's how I feel when I heard the Spider-Man thing. How well, do you, you know? have... Seriously, Spider-Man you, without Mary no. Jane doesn't work. Dude, you know that they're trying to base it off the ultimate shit. You know they are. So it's like, all right, we're going to try something totally different and not use Mary Jane. And we're just going to throw in this chick, and she'll be blonde, and Spider-Man will love her. Yeah, I that's know. all fine. Yeah, and that's all fine and dandy. Okay, maybe he can have Gwen Stacy as his first girlfriend, but he still has a thing for Mary Jane because maybe they've been friends. Because you just everybody knows Spider-Man and Mary Jane end up, and they're friends, and they've known each other for life. Who cares if one dates the other and someone else, and the other dates the other? They end up together anyway. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's it, it's a no-brainer, but you know, it, it. What do you expect? <sighs> well, I expect to see well, the you, same things we're always going to see. Oh, Uncle Ben died. Oh, boo-hoo. Oh, same old crap. Well, did you? I don't. I don't remember if you were here last week, but they're saying that Sally Field is playing Aunt May. Yeah, I heard that. And I'm, Mar- I'm like and Martin Sheen is Ben. Uh, they may, they might be able to pull it off. You know, I'll give them a chance, but still. You really think the Martin Sheen is Uncle Ben, huh? Uh, I, I don't, I don't think he'll be able to pull it off as well as the first guy, but I give him a chance. I, I think, I think that you know, going back to the whole telling the Uncle Ben story. Mm-hmm. We've heard it time and time again. It's the same shit. Yeah, I know that. It really is. Same old, oh, here we go. This is happening. That's happening. Blah, blah. Oh, look. Um, Peter is doing this. Oh, look. There's Uncle Ben. Oh, crap. Now what's going to happen? Oh, he dies. <sighs> You know what, Dark Helmet? If you if if you were reading me a bedtime story the way you just described Spider Man, I would fucking blow my brains out and pray to the gods that my brain that my brain matter splattered all over you in disgust. <laughs> Your utter disdain is just so fucking obvious, dude. <laughs> definitely credits for that. Definitely credits for that. But definitely, I recommend you stick around because it's gonna get better. 
Oh, boy. All right, buddy. I'll be listening. All right. I had finally taken the time to get the sound clip to describe what Ant was talking about with somebody getting shot in the pressurized suit, and I felt that my screaming didn't do it any justice, but I found the perfect clip for this, and I felt bad that it wouldn't load when I had Ant on the phone, but I think it'll work now, and I have to share it with you guys. Now, this is what's going to happen in space when you get oh shot. Oh, my God! Ah! 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 Oh, that's better. Ah! Ah! I think that sums it up, right? Getting shot in space, and your suit is pre- your suit is losing pressure, and then you may blow up inside of it. I think that works. I think that's the perfect scream. They need to get the Homer scream, and just use that. Just just screaming, just like that, when you're losing pressure. Like, oh my God, I'm losing pressure. Just play that. Play that sound clip. I'm more than sure that people just fucking toss their cookies at that because that is. That is the apropos clip for that. But enough fucking around. Let's move on. In an interview with Empire Magazine, Zack Snyder said that the rumors regarding General Zod and the upcoming Superman reboot are just wrong. He added that the Internet has no idea what's going on. He said the following. It's a different story. I won't say there's a break from the canon or anything like that, but there's definitely an approach that makes you go, okay, that's a way to go at it. David Goyer is very respectful of the canon and stuff like that. It has its roots in the canon, and again, like I say, it has a point of view about who he is. I'm being cryptic, I know, but it's the best I can do. You know, I'm not even going to give a gripe about Zack Snyder and the Superman reboot because it's just going to be a whole bunch of misinformation, and you're not going to know anything until, you know, six months before the movie comes out. It's just going to be... This person might be in it, this person might not be in it, yada, yada, yada. It's not going to work. So I'm just going to give you guys news regarding the movie, but I'm not going to give my take on it until I get a full, full, full bit of details about it. This hearsay and all this shit, I'll keep you guys informed, but it's just not accomplishing anything and getting people excited. So figured I'd share it with you guys. Moving on, and I'm sure that, let me see, there's one. There's... Six, six people in the chat, and I'm sure a couple of people listening that are going to hate the next bit of news. Hate. Bloody disgusting reports. Are you guys ready for this? Get your fucking fingers on that dial because I'm sure that the phone is going to ring about this. Bloody disgusting reports that Zach Efron has been offered the lead role in the upcoming live-action adaptation of Akira presumably in the role of Kaneda. But he may also be in the running for the role of Tetsuo. That's right. Zac Efron as either Kaneda or Tetsuo. Take that for what it's worth. Alan and Albert Hughes will be directing the film, which will be based on the manga and TV series. So Zac Efron, Kaneda, and or, well, Kaneda or Tetsuo. 
That's all I got to say. Terrible as it may be, that's what it is. I, I can't even begin to voice my disgust in regards to this. I, I can't. I can't do it. Because I know that I know you guys want to get Zac Efron in a leading man role, but it's a movie based on an anime that has, wait a minute, listen for it, Asians. What is Zac Efron? The furthest thing from a fucking Asian. It's Asians. It takes place in Tokyo. And Zac Efron is not Asian. Holy shit. Holy shit. It's like Dragon Ball Z all over again. And with that, let's take our next caller. You're on the air. Who's this? This is Strider. Um, <laughs> Greetings, Strider. Happy Veterans Day to you. <laughs> thank you. And uh, what the fuck, man? <laughs> Holy shit. Why the... Oh, oh, God. I think I'm about to commit suicide over this shit. Oh, oh. I don't think I have anything else to contribute to that because I'm still blindsided by that bit of, oh, man, that's almost worse than 9-11. Holy crap. <laughs> that is, oh, my God. But think about oh, it. Oh, that's going to be the worst. Think about that concept for one second. The whole movie takes place in fucking Tokyo, and Kaneda looks Asian. And he's going to be played by a white guy. Why? Why, Hollywood? Why must you torment us with, oh, God. Oh. I, I, and do and you know what the really crappy part about this is? People are still going to fucking watch it. Yep. People are going to go there. People are going to go there and see it because Zach is in there. Fucking, oh, my God, the little kids. Oh, the high school musical kids going to be there. Fuck you and your couch. Oh, my, oh. They're going, well, they're you know what? People are going to, people want to take money out of their pocket. They're going to take their wallets to the movie theater. Verbally request to see fucking Akira with Zach Efron. Take yep. money out of their wallets. Yep. Give it to the cashier and say, I would like to see this movie. Take Absolutely. <laughs> Go to the front. Absolutely. And ask them. They don't have them sitting right now. And then go to the theater inside and yep. sit down and watch this movie. <laughs> Why? I <laughs> You know what the worst part is? This movie, and, and we've all seen Akira, is ultra-violent. You're not going to get the high school musical audience in there unless you fucking make it PG, which may just happen. <laughs> Think of that, too. And, and, and yeah, if it's going to be PG, oh, God. If it's going to be PG, it's going to be like freaking Alien versus Predator. It's going to be bad. I mean, it's bad enough the fucking the first Alien vs. Predator was like, wait, was that rated or PG? I forgot, but shit, it felt like fucking PG. The first one, the first one I think was PG, and then they went with the R for the for the second okay. one. Yeah, but still, it's just why the fuck are they going to? Oh, 
All right, well, I'm done. You know what? I'm done. I, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, don't, don't, don't hang up yet because here, here's the next bit of news to blow your mind. The popular oh. anime series Bubblegum Crisis is getting a live-action 3D film. Bleeding Cool reports that the film has been tentatively titled Night Savers Bubblegum Crisis. According to IMDb, the film will follow the all-female group of superhero peacekeepers who look to stop the shady genome corporation's ascent through futuristic Tokyo. How about that? <laughs> and they're going to be all freaking young white girls with no tits. I'm not going to be surprised. It's going to be the cast of High School Musical, or better yet, probably the girls from Glee. Oh, God, why did you say that? I'm about to hang up, man. Oh. Why did you say that? Oh, God. Fucking Glee. Glee. I'd rather freaking... I'd rather I'd rather disembowel myself with a spork from Popeyes. It, I'm, nice. They, oh geez, why are these people just doing this shit? Oh, it's the money. It's the money, dude. It's the money. They're running out of stuff. So they're like, all right, like the Akira but movie. It's not gonna make. It, but that's the thing. It's not gonna make money. Not enough for a sequel. Why are they? Nope. Oh. Unless they're going well, to have a shitload of freaking star power and it's going to be like the freaking Expendables and just ha- cast a whole bunch of girl power actors, it's going to be like fucking uh, freaking uh, Charlie's Angels again. And it's just going to be well, utter and complete donkey balls. I guarantee uh, you, Devin, a- Devin Aoki is going to be involved in this movie somehow because she's the token Asian but not too Asian looking girl that they put in all these movies. You know this. Yeah. She's just she's white enough to be in the movie, but not but Asian enough to have no tits to be in the movie. So, yeah, that makes there perfect sense. There you go. All right, dude. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. By the, by the oh, way, um, you know, thank you for serving your country, Strider. I appreciate it, man. Uh, I didn't, take, I didn't uh, take advantage of any of the deals around here. You know, because, you know, I got, like, freaking an Afghani at the freaking subway over there. But it's all gravy, though. So, Thanks, anyway. <laughs> Thanks you. for the call, yeah, buddy. Appreciate it. I'll probably call back later because I got a feeling you're going to fuck me up again so soon, okay? Oh, yeah, of course. Later, dude. Thanks again. I also got to take a moment and give a shout-out to Wolf. Wolf is also a uh, a veteran. So definitely happy Veterans Day to Wolf. Thank you for serving your country and allowing me the freedom to curse on the radio for two and a half hours. So definitely shout out to Wolf, shout out to Strider. Thanks a lot, guys, for that. Moving on. Disney has announced that not only will Tron be getting the huge 3D movie, but they'll also be getting an animated series. Tron Uprising will be airing on Disney XD starting in 2012. You're going to have Elijah Wood as Beck who leads a revolution inside the grid's computer world. You're also going to have voice work by Mandy Moore, Paul Rubens, Bruce, ba- Bruce Boxleitner, Lance Heinrichsen, and I always fuck up this chick's name, Emmanuel Shrieky, I think. I always mess it up. Will also lend their voices to the project. So not only will Tron blow your fucking mind in the movies, but you're also going to get a nice Disney XD tie-in in 2012. In other Disney news, they're going to be adapting the Shadowline comic book, Cowboy Ninja Viking, into a new movie. Variety is reporting that the studio has tapped Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese, the guys that wrote Zombieland, to write their script for the film. For those of you that don't know about the movie, 
Here's a little brief plot synopsis. The comic book is about Dr. Sebastian Fuck, is it? I think it's Gislaine. A psychotherapist who recruits multiple personality disorder patients to produce a unit of counterintelligence units called triplets. The triplets end up going out of control, at which point they bring in the deadliest triplet, known as Cowboy Ninja Viking, to bring all his fellow, so his fellow triplets down. Concept sounds cool. I definitely would like to see a little bit more about it. I'm going to see if I can find the comic book so I can check it out. But again, it's from Shadowline, and the, cowboy, the book is called Cowboy Ninja Viking. So if anybody happens to know about this comic book or has any input about it, let me know so I can try and pick it up and maybe give it a quick read. I'll see if maybe I can read it on uh, my fiance's iPad, see if I can find it and, and give it a quick read so I can be a little bit more educated about the film. Let's talk some box office numbers. Obviously, don't act shocked, folks. Megamind was number one, $47.7 million. Due Date was number two. For Colored Girls was number three. Red was number four. Saw 3D was five. Paranormal Activity was six. Jackass 3D was seven. Hereafter was eight. Secretariat was nine. And The Social Network was ten. In some Spartacus news, obviously, you guys that have been to MyTakeRadio.com recently got to see uh, the trailer for the upcoming Spartacus prequel. But this week I got some news about some casting to recast the lead for Spartacus. Right now it's down to three actors. Stephen Amell, if you want to look these guys up on IMDb, um, Stephen Amell, uh, regular Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Amell, A-M-E-L-L, is the first actor in the lead. Aiden Turner, A-I-D-E-N, Turner is second. Third is Liam McIntyre, M-C-I-N-T-Y-R-E. Those are the three actors in the lead to replace Andy Whitfield, who, of course, um, had his cancer return and had to withdraw from further work on the Spartacus show. Those are your three actors. You can check them out and share your input on them, either on the Facebook fan page or in the forums. Here's something I didn't think I'd be talking about so soon. A sequel to Clash of the Titans. Clash of the Titans 2, better known as Wrath of the Titans, is starting to come together. And according to Movie Line, there are actually some actors that are being considered for some new roles, one of which is Javier Bardem. Bardem is rumored to be up for the role of Ares, who, of course, is the god of war. Meanwhile, James Franco is being looked at for the role of Agenor, the son of Poseidon. Jonathan Leavesman is set to direct with Sam Worthington and Gemma Arterton, both back from the first film. I don't know. I'm not, I don't mind the whole sequel thing. It's going to be a new story, but Clash of the Titans, the first one was just, it was a guilty pleasure. It's not something, uh, you know, it's not something where it's sequel worthy. I definitely want to see what kind of a story they're going to toss out there that is going to make people interested in wanting to watch a second Clash of the Titans film. Here's some crazy casting news for you guys that will probably irritate you guys just the same. A couple of weeks back, I told you that they were planning on doing a 21 Jump Street movie. If you don't remember it, listen to a couple of episodes back. Nonetheless, a 21 Jump Street movie is coming together. And according to Deadline, 
some of your casting choices thus far are Channing Tatum, and he's going to be starring alongside Jonah Hill. So how about that? Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. And they feel that the two look young enough for roles of undercover officers who infiltrate schools to fight crime. The movie's being created, uh, being directed by Philip, by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who did Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And the screenplay is being written by Michael Bacall. <sighs> I can't. I, I, I can't. I can't even... I can't even piss and moan about a 21 Jump Street movie because there's still ample amount of show left and I'll probably just end up losing my voice. Nonetheless, 21 Jump Street, Channing Tatum, Jonah Hill, and I bet you Johnny Depp will have a cameo, Strider. Definitely. For those of you that are familiar with the novel Why the Last Man, Brian K. Vaughn's graphic novel will be getting the movie or TV treatment. Louis Leterrier is saying that the novel would better be suited for a TV series. Why the Last Man is about the last male survivor of a plague, and, um, you know, it's being converted into a TV show. That's all the news I got. Nonetheless, with the success of The Walking Dead, it's definitely a possibility that we may be seeing Why the Last Man either on the big screen or the small screen. In some Dark Knight news, Six actresses are under consideration for two unspecified female lead roles in the upcoming Dark Knight Rises film. According to Deadline, one is going to be a love interest for Bruce Wayne and the other is going to be a villain. The villain categories in regards to women that are well-known villains in the Batman universe are either Talia al Ghul, Catwoman, Poison Ivy, possibly Harlequin. Those are the only ones I can think offhand that would work, but... Here are your candidates for the movie. Natalie Portman, Kara Knightley, Anne Hathaway, Naomi Watts, Rachel Weisz, and Blake Lively. In regards to the characters that they may have to portray, it's either going to be Talia al Ghul and Julie Madison or Catwoman and, and or Detective Sarah Essen. So those are your rumored characters and the six leading ladies that may be in the running. I can tell you this. I can see uh, Rachel Wise playing Catwoman. Um, definitely not Anne Hathaway. Blake Lively, I can see possibly as Talia. Uh, Kira Knightley, definitely as Detective Sarah Essen. Naomi Watts, maybe as, as Catwoman as well. I don't really see Naomi Watts as athletic for that role, but I don't know. I mean, I honestly would have gone with I definitely would have probably, I don't know. I mean, the casting is solid, but I don't know. Blake Lively, definitely for Catwoman. That's a more physical role. She's a younger actress. You can keep her on for multiple films. Uh, Rachel Wise is good, but eh, I don't know. Natalie Portman as Talia al Ghul might work, but Talia al Ghul, not to say that Natalie Portman is not pretty, but Talia al Ghul needs to be the chick that, you know, Batman knocked this chick up, for God's sakes. In, in, in the new comics, uh, Bruce Wayne is a dad. He actually has a son with Talia, which is Damian Wayne, who, who is the new Robin in the Batman comics. But I don't know. I mean, the, the, the women are, are, are great choices, but for these particular four characters, I just don't see it working. Uh, I mean, other than Blake Lively, I, I mean, I would have gone with Jessica Biel as a Catwoman role. I would have gone with um, Eliza Dushku. 
I would have even gone with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Just just younger, more physical actresses. I mean, these actresses are great, but I just don't see them getting into any sort of physical altercations with Batman. It just doesn't make sense. And the last bit of movie news during an earnings call, Viacom COO Tom Dooley gave some news about some anticipated sequels. Star Trek II, which has yet to secure J.J. Abrams as a director, is slated to be released June 29, 2012. The, release, the script for that is in progress. G.I. Joe 2 is being worked on, and we may be seeing that also in 2012. Lastly, they're going to be doing another Ninja Turtles movie. Viacom has spent over $60 million to acquire global and merchandising rights to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise. Michael Bay's Platinum Dunes is developing the screenplay, excuse me, screenplay with writers Art, Mc, Art Markham and Matt Holloway. And last but not least, they also announced Zoolander 2. Ugh. I've talked about this shit in countless other episodes. It's going to suck. Take it from me, Zoolander 2 will be just as shitty as Meet the Fockers, Meet the Fockers 2, Meet the Fockers 3, Starsky and Hutch, all of that. Anything that fucking Ben Stiller's been in sucks. His last good movie, There's Something About Mary. Oh, just to jump back in the chat one second, Strider actually gave some really good casting for Talia al Ghul, Salma Hayek, or Monica Bellucci. Nice. I wouldn't have even thought of that. Monica Bellucci might work. She's a little older, though, which is, again, if you want to do a couple of flicks, not to say that she doesn't, she hasn't aged well, but Monica Bellucci, Salma Hayek, though, would work. That would work. She's a good actress, has great chemistry with, with, with any leading man that she's in movies with. I think Salma Hayek would work, man. If you want to go with a little bit more of a darker skin tone for Talia, I would even go Rosario Dawson. Some of you might might jump back from that, but think about it. Rosario Dawson, you know, you want to go Ross Al Ghul usually has like a like a like a I almost want to go with a with a Middle Eastern look to him. I mean, yeah, Liam Neeson and Ken uh, Watanabe both played him respectively and neither one were were Arab looking, but when you think about it Ras Al Ghul usually operates out of the Middle East. He's he's very Arab looking. Honestly, he is. I I would go with a with a Rosario Dawson. I mean, I, it's crazy, but think about it. It, it. it it could work, man. It could work. Rosario Dawson definitely as as Talia Al Ghul will work. Now, like I said, if you want to get with with in terms of Catwoman casting, you got to go more physical. Like I said, Jessica Biel works. Um, like I said, Blake Lively works. Um, shit. Um, the girl that was in, um, in Hancock. Damn. I can't remember her name. Charlize Theron. There it is. Charlize Theron would definitely work as Catwoman also. She has a great leading, leading lady quality about her. She's been in a lot of great, um, blockbuster films, mainstream films. I think it'll work. Charlize Theron definitely should have been included in that. But like I said, from the ones here, Blake Lively and, you know, Rachel Wise, out of all of them. Anne Hathaway, no go. Kira Knightley, not as Catwoman, maybe as, as Sarah Essen, though. And that's it, folks. That's actually the show for this week. It's a miracle my voice held out. 
but that's going to wrap it up. Just want to get a couple of plugs out of the way. Razorclothing.tv, SuperheroStuff.com, GamerWave.com, Brandon Barron, GoCreedGo.com, DrinkDocs.com, the crew at GirlGamer.com, and GamingAngels.com, MMA Gospel. You can check them out Wednesdays, 8.30 on the Blog Talk Radio Network, or head over to MMAGospel.com. Our content partners this week in wrestling and MMA Valor, you can check out MMA Valor's work on MyTakeRadio.com and on MMAValor.com. Of course, the Darksiders crew, Darksiders 2, is actually in production. I've actually already reached out to the Darksiders crew to come back. Once that's locked up, I will make an announcement on MyTakeRadio. Of course, the VGN Radio crew for supporting us every week. VGNRadio.com, Tumbling with Tumbleweed Tuesdays at 10, with Donnie on the Block Talk Radio Network, Cleveland Sports Radio on Sundays, Born Stubborn Radio, you can check out their shows on iTunes or go to BornStubbornRadio.com. 411Mania.com, as always, for all their kick-ass content, OC Remix for the music, MMA Junkie for the MMA news, and Film Drunk for the movie news. If you want to email for the Splatterhouse contest or if you'd like to be a guest or have questions or concerns, you can email me at mtrhost at gmail.com, and you can email any of our staff members as well. You can go over to mytakeradio.com, click the staff link, and you can see all the ways that you can get in contact with the MTR staff. In addition to that, if you're on Twitter, you can follow my personal account, twitter.com, at akuma25, you can also follow the show account, at, uh, which is My Take Radio. You can also follow Slick on My Take Radio. It's MTR Slick. Ant is Ant MTR on Twitter as well. You can also follow Andrea on there. She's Andrea MTR. If you'd like to keep in contact with any of us on Twitter, those are our handles on there. On MySpace, which was actually redesigned today, you can go to the My Take Radio MySpace page. Send a friend request, let me know you're a fan, and I'll gladly add you. It's myspace.com slash mytakeradio. And, of course, Facebook fan page. Facebook.com slash mytakeradio, 461 fans. Will you be number 500 if you haven't already? Stop by. Click that like button. Keep showing your support. And with that, we're going to wrap up My Take Radio episode 65 for Thursday, November 11th, 2010. Hopefully next week I'll be back and my voice will be in full functioning order. Until then, OC Remix is going to take us out, and it's going to be the Super Street Fighter 4 outro by Pixie Tricks and Zircon. You can get that at ocremix.org. I'll catch you guys next week. Thank you guys for bearing with me with my shitty voice. Hopefully we'll be back to normal for Episode 66. MMA Valor will be joining us for UFC 123 Fight Picks. With that, I'm out. Peace.